I'm Helena Drago, and you're listening to Legacy, the Immigrant Experience in America. This episode is brought to you by Torque, the new novel by Ty Drago. Torque is a young adult science fiction novel set in the far future, where a million souls live inside an enormous, ancient, broken machine. After a hundred generations spent without doors or windows, all knowledge of the outside world is lost. The machine society is split between the all-powerful upper folk who rule and the helpless lower folk who suffer, work, and die. Enter Torque, the lower folk's hero, who alone fights against the injustice of the system. But is Torque really the hero he may seem? To find out, you can buy this wholly unique novel on Amazon, or better yet, get a signed copy by the author at tydrago.com. Now, back to the podcast. On today's episode, my husband Ty Drago and I are interviewing Mayank, a gentleman from India. Although Mayank has been living and working in the United States for more than a few years, interestingly enough, he is not considered an immigrant by the United States government. Mayank is legally here on a work visa, which is considered a non-immigrant visa. Non-immigrant visas are mostly given to tourists and temporary foreign workers people who are expected to eventually go back to their country of origin. Here's Mayank, who will tell us a little bit about India and why and how he is in the United States. So I was born in the western part of India, in the state of Gujarat. That's where I grew up. Uh, And most of my uh, working life, I spent in the city of Bangalore. Tell us a little bit about the country. I'd love to hear a little bit about the culture, the traditions, the people in India. Okay. Uh, as, as soon as you said culture and uh, what, what comes to my mind is food. We have such a wide range of cultures within India. The cities that, are, that might be a few miles away from me, you know, the food that you get, the, the language that you hear is slightly different. It's amazing. I traveled many different places in India. Food comes to my mind. What's your favorite food? Mm. Uh, where I was born, uh, it's Gujarati food, um, and which I really enjoy. My parents, they, they belong to a place called Uttar Pradesh and Rajasthan. The food from Rajasthan itself, uh, I really enjoy the sweets, which is called uh, Munki Dal Ka Halwa. <laughs> and I don't get uh, as much of that in U.S., when, when it comes to a food and culture, you, traveling in India is really fun. And I really enjoyed uh, going from one place to another. Uh, like uh, we will start driving and you, you can stop on the highway hotels and restaurants, which are amazing, which, which will be like a different food and different restaurants. Uh, you get amazing tea. That was really uh, the fun part in uh, traveling in India. So well, let me ask a quick follow up. Yeah. It's my understanding there are a lot of languages in India. Yes. How many are there? Okay, so... <laughs> Does anybody uh, really know? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, uh, unofficial languages, no, it's, it's, there are uh, many. Uh, officially, um, it could be somewhere between 22 and 29. These are official languages, but each language has many dialects, so... Um, that makes it many, many more languages. Yeah. How many of these do you speak? I speak two of them well, Hindi and Gujarati. 
uh, and I can read and write them too. But uh, I learned a little bit of uh, Andhra, uh, Telugu, when I was in Andhra Pradesh. Is there a common language at all? Even though there's lots of languages, could you speak, for example, Hindi anywhere in India and they would understand it or it's not like that at all? In northern India, Hindi is understood everywhere. But in southern India, uh, not everywhere, but um, most of them understand English too. So it's manageable anywhere in India, like uh, either Hindi or English, you can manage everywhere. Okay. How many years did you live in India? When I came to U.S., I was 36 years old. Why did you leave? Yes, um, that's interesting. My wife and I, we were very comfortable and very happy in Bangalore. We have a daughter. We, she was five years when we were in India. And my wife is more adventurous than me. So she always wanted to try a different place. It could be anywhere in the world or even in India. And I worked 16 plus years in Bangalore. And uh, she was saying, let's try some other place and explore uh, and enjoy. And there was an opportunity to uh, work in U.S. And we thought, okay, let's go for this project, which was meant for, you know, just under an year. We thought we'll go, go for a year, enjoy and come back. And when we came to U.S., one thing led to another and my wife started working. Uh, my wife think that we should explore living further in U.S. And the main motivation was she really liked the education system, uh, the accessibility to knowledge. So that was our motivation to consider staying uh, or even living in, in U.S. Let me make sure I understood this. You wanted to try living someplace else and a job opportunity arose and that's why you came to the United States. So it was like uh, I was already working for an American client. This client really wanted somebody who has 15 plus years of experience in a particular technology, which only I had in my team. And uh, they insisted that I should come over and work with them at the U.S. location because they really uh, needed somebody co-located in U.S. I insisted that I, I can work from India. I can work at night so that I can be at least in the same time zone. But they insisted that their work requires somebody to be in U.S. And my wife was always keen. So uh, although reluctantly, I, <laughs> I jumped into this. I still continue to work with my Indian company, but traveled to U.S. for this particular project. Okay. And so what is the process of entering the United States? Is there some kind of like work visa? So what I did was my company filed an L1B visa for me. L1 is a company transfer visa so that companies can use who have offices in both India and U.S. So temporarily you can transfer your employees from one um, location to another using L1 visa. And within L1 visa, they use the category B which is meant for specializations because I had a specialization with the technology and tools that my company uses to help the client. Uh, I was able to secure uh, L1B visa and travel to US on that. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. L visas are a category of visa that's designed for use by companies only specifically companies that have offices overseas and who want to transfer foreign employees to their offices in the U.S. That's it. Individuals can't even apply for one of these visas, much less receive one. What's more, companies can only request L visas for their managers or skilled workers. 
persons whose job require a minimum of two years training or work experience that are not temporary or seasonal. But wait, there's more. The employee who is granted an L visa has to remain with their filing company for the whole of their stay in the U.S. The visas generally expire after three years, but may be extended to a maximum of five to seven years. After that, the employee needs to return to their country of origin and wait a whole year before their company can reapply. And then when I get L1B visa, that's for me, my family, like my daughter and my wife gets L2 visa. One benefit of L2 visa is that my wife can apply for a work authorization and he can work too. Unlike the other kind of visa that you would have heard, which is H1B, uh, where the dependents who are H4 cannot uh, work, you know, directly. The H-1B visa is kind of like the L-1's poorer relation. For one thing, family members who accompany an L-1 holder to the U.S. can apply for L-2 visas, which allow them to hold jobs while they're here. In the case of the H-1B, on the other hand, accompanying family members must apply for an H-4, which does not allow them to hold a job, at least not without applying for and being granted an employment authorization document. There's no annual cap to the number of L-1 visas issued. H-1Bs, on the other hand, have only limited availability. In the 2018-2019 season, 190,000 applications were received for only 65,000 available visas. So, a kind of lottery was held to determine who got to come into the country. Odds of approval came down to about 1 in 3. Then why go for an H-1B at all if the L-1 is so much better? Because the L-1 can be tough to qualify for. If the State Department decides that the skilled worker isn't all that skilled, or that they don't make enough money for their job title, or they make too much money, or if the applying company doesn't demonstrate enough business growth, the L-1 may be denied. Qualifications for the H-1B tend to be easier to meet. In that case, the employee must have at least a bachelor's degree or equivalent, and the company must be involved in either government-to-government R&D or projects run by the U.S. State Department. Oh, or fashion models. You can get an H-1B if you're a fashion model. Seriously. And so what is your current status? Are you um, still on that visa? No, um, it was only uh, valid for five years. So recently it expired. So I, I went back to India and traveled back to U.S. on my wife's dependent. Meanwhile, my wife got an H-1, you know, a few years back. So I am my wife's dependent right now on H-4. So does that mean you can't work? There is a work authorization, H-4 EAD, which was issued under Obama administration in 2014 or 15, where um, people who have a green card under, going under progress, like my wife's green card is under progress, and which has cleared a certain stage, which my wife has, uh, their spouses can apply for a work authorization called H-4 EAD which I did back in October, last October, and I received a work authorization. And right now, it's valid until September this year. So I'm, I'm employed based on that. That is very complicated. It is complicated. <laughs> <laughs> even more complicated because that uh, D- Department of Homeland Security has requested to pull this facility out. It may not remain here for long. So people like me may not be able to work. So we, we, we have to wait for... Uh, their final decision. Do you know if there's a reason they're trying to pull that? 
Yes, uh, I understand that because there are more than 100,000 such people who have uh, H4EAD and are enjoying employment based on that. And uh, if you really see H1B, L1B are all based on a specialization or particular skill, right? They are skilled workers. So uh, very carefully, they, they look at your skills and then grant you visa. But when it comes to H4EAD, uh, there is no skill required. So any H4EAD people can do any kind of work. And I believe that that will probably uh, must be hurting uh, U.S. jobs because that's not a particular specialization which is lacking here. Like an H4EAD person can even drive Uber or work in any capacity and there is no skill required. And so you don't need a foreign worker to come and do those things, right? Why it was allowed was because traditionally, whoever came from India on H-1B visas, their spouses always had to sacrifice their career because H-4 folks cannot work. And uh, not every spouse is an engineer or a doctor or a professional who can get an H-1B. Most of the Indian family or similar countries who, who have to apply H-1B, their spouses had to sacrifice their careers. But in this case, the H-4 EAD came as a big gift after many, many years of people requesting because it's for people who are already in line for green card. And their green card could be approved, could take 8 to 10 years. So rather than waiting for 8 to 10 years for a valid employment, uh, the H4 EAD was a gift for such spouses who had given up their careers. That way, if you see, both sides have their points valid. So <laughs> I sometimes don't know what is right, what is wrong in this case. What happens if a family security moves the, the H1END? What happens to you? Uh, so it's not clear, but likely that uh, I will be able to serve until September on my existing work authorization, but uh, I will not be able to renew it. So my company is going to apply for a fresh H-1B for me, which will happen in April this year, and which takes few months, and it's a lottery. The best case is that I might get an H-1B, and uh, from H-4 EAD, I will jump on the new H-1B. And if I'm not picked up in the lottery, then I, my wife will be the only person who would have this employment and I won't be able to work. Hmm. Yeah. What is your thought, experience with this immigration process? Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it's, always, it's always known. It's always known. And uh, that is the reason I used to uh, resist coming to U.S. Because I used to say, uh, you know, life in U India was very comfortable. Both of us had a good career and, uh, and a good lifestyle. My argument with my wife is, why should we go and struggle? Because I really don't like to struggle. And, uh, you know, you have to be really good in knowing what proactive actions you have to take, which visa you have to apply. I worked for the same company for 20 plus years. So I'm not an adventurous one at all. Like, I don't like to be very proactively find another type of visa, those kind of proactive things which one should be able to do if they are looking for a career in U.S. It's like that. It's Nothing is going to be easy. Do you have plans on ever becoming a U.S. citizen or do you eventually think you're going to make your way back to India? So I have no idea at this point and I have uh, <laughs> no choice. I have, I've told my wife and daughter that whatever they want, like, you know, I'm up to any adventure they want. Uh, and I'm there. <laughs> so my wife is so adventurous that she said, OK, if it becomes difficult, how about Germany? 
<laughs> oh no, not uh, so, yeah. she is adventurous. <laughs> yeah, I, I would imagine you're not looking much past September at this point. Yeah, because it took us five years to bring back the same lifestyle we used to have in India. We used to like uh, really enjoy traveling, and we never had to bother about like what will be next. But it took us a long time because uh, you, there was a sacrifice we had to make when because I had L1 visa. I cannot change my company, cannot uh, shift to any U.S. company here. My company did not have any client in the same location where my wife worked. So we lived in different cities for two and a half years. And I used to travel only once in six weeks on weekends or, you know, a week long vacations sometimes. So that was really hard. I was never ready for such sacrifices. Uh, the kind of life we had in India, it was not that too bad that we needed to have this kind of sacrifice made here. We took it positively and uh, we really enjoyed both my wife and I grew during this time. I never liked to live alone and I never like take care of myself so well. So we grew ourselves uh, in this two and a half years a lot. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your experiences since arriving in this country. How do Americans generally treat you? It, this was not the first time when I came to um, U.S. in 2013, October. Just, I had come four or five times for a month uh, for short projects before. Like first time I came was in 2001. Uh, I really enjoyed U.S. for one thing is people are very friendly. Whether you go to stores or you are on street, People uh, greet you when they see you, they smile at you. You don't feel disconnected at all. Like, I really like that about U.S. They think about others a lot. Uh, that was our impression. And uh, we learned that a lot from U.S., like uh, how to think about others. There's a lot of compassion for uh, people here, uh, which, we, which we see. Once I was new in U.S. and I was driving and I was on a crossroad and uh, another car which had the right of way flashed at me. And in India, usually we flash at each other to say, I am going first. <laughs> and here I was like waiting and he kept on flashing and I didn't realize that here you mean to say you go first. So, <laughs> so that's the difference. Yeah. That's a cute example. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, has there been any bad experiences in being in the United States? Hmm. Uh, fortunately, we never had any bad experiences. In fact, when people tell us, we don't believe it. We really were lucky. Uh, we, we have been to so many different places uh, in U.S. And every place we, we really um, hung out with very nice people. And you would have realized my wife being adventurous one. Uh, we, we did things which we like, uh, oh, why don't you... Uh, buy a motorcycle and we went to motorcycle festivals where there are not many Indians uh, other than us and still we didn't feel awkward. I'm going to read you a little definition about legacy and I like your thoughts on it. Legacy is defined as a, a gift or a bequest that is handed down or endowed from one person to another. What legacy do you wish to pass down for your children, for society, for whatever? Well, yes, I mean, what comes to my mind straight is a legacy of humanity. Humans are all same and they really like to connect with each other and enjoy diversity with each other. This is something I learned from my wife and daughter too, because I used to be more like, oh, um, I'm an Indian, will I fit in in U.S.? 
but they don't think people are different like they really enjoy humans as humans and enjoy the diversity as culture and as adventure so so this, this is probably the legacy i would like to leave for the next generation that's lovely we'd like to thank mayank for sharing his story with us as helena indicated at the start of this episode mayank and his family aren't immigrants at least not yet since coming to this country five years ago they've remained here living and working in the U.S. by means of different, perfectly legal visas, all of which are of the non-immigrant variety, L1s, L2s, H1Bs, and H4s. But as Mayuk indicated, his wife has applied for permanent residence. When and if she's granted this change in status, then, and only then, will she, and only she, become an immigrant. One might ask, how can a person who entered the country on a visa specifically geared toward people who won't be staying in the U.S., apply for a green card. Well, the fact is that anyone may apply for a green card. You don't have to be here on an immigrant visa. You don't even have to be in the country at all. Folks in other countries may apply for a green card by visiting their U.S. embassy or consulate. And believe it or not, it's usually faster to get a green card outside the U.S. than inside it. None of that is to say that getting a green card is easy or cheap, regardless of where you come from. I'm just pointing out one of the many little idiosyncrasies of the American immigration system, that the process is better resourced and runs a bit smoother when initiated abroad. If you are an immigrant or know one who has a story to tell, please reach out to us at podcast at twooldfolksdoingstuff.com. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, thanks for listening. Legacy, the Immigrant Experience in America, is created and produced by Ty and Helena Drago. The music you are listening to is called Flute by Emily Sprague, found on YouTube's audio library.